0: Oh, baby, don't look now. We got a win streak going on. Playoffs, here we come. Kind of kidding. But we are going to talk about the Redskins' big win and a little bit on this new report about how Bruce Allen is being evaluated by Dan Snyder. All that and more on the Pigpen Podcast. Drag up that diesel. Oh! Trying to find running room, and he's still on his feet. Can't hold. He's got the first down to the 40. He's gone. The 35, the 30, the 20. He's gone. He's gone. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. This is the Big Pen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day. Coming to you on a victory Sunday. Just a few hours ago, the Redskins picked up win number three of the year, 29 to 21 over the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. A team that at one point looked like it was going to be a contender for the postseason is now getting beat by the Redskins. A good game by Dwayne Haskins. We will get into all of that. But first, if this is your first time listening, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and go on over to Hogshaven.com and become a member of the site if you are not already. Okay, so we got a couple different places that we can start here based on this game, I think we're going to start with the defense. And in particular, we're going to start with Nate Orchard. And you're probably thinking, who the hell is Nate Orchard? And I can't give you a uh, a clear answer to that question. But I do know that Nate Orchard is a pretty damn good football player. And he showed that today. We just signed this dude off of the street. Now, he was not with the team prior to this, this week. We just signed him off the street. And he came in, took advantage of his opportunity, and he made big plays. Four total tackles and a sack for Nate Orchard, including one of the biggest tackles of the game on that final drive by Carolina, stuffing Christian McCaffrey behind the line of scrimmage. This dude came in to this Redskins team and he balled out. That is the prime example of kind of what these garbage time games are like. This is what I'm calling it. We have nine losses. We are technically still In the hunt for the postseason because Dallas sucks, which I enjoy that Dallas sucks, but I don't think we're going to get there. Although we will kind of tease that in just a little bit. But this is all this is for all intents and purposes garbage time games for the Redskins and Nate Orchard came and took advantage of that opportunity. And I'm not saying they're going to keep him around forever, but he certainly earned another week. He absolutely earned another week to be on this team. He came in and he made some plays. It was a pretty solid defensive performance by the Redskins. Granted, the missed onside kick was terrible. And Carolina shouldn't have really been in a position to come back and have a chance to tie the game. But overall, I thought the pass rush was really, really solid. Seven total sacks uh, for the team. Chris Odom with two, another guy that we had picked up off the streets this week. So we had two guys that were not on the team a week ago come in and making plays. That's fantastic. I mean, I'm happy for those two guys. That is taking advantage of these garbage time games and taking advantage of the unfortunate injuries that the Redskins have and Ryan Anderson getting ejected when he probably, well, I mean, I'm not going to be too upset about him getting ejected. That does follow the NFL rules, but I would just like to point out that a Carolina Panther was not ejected for basically the exact same thing, except much faster paced, but I digress. Nate Orchard, Chris Odom, they took advantage of their opportunities. Uh, Matt Ioannidis also with two sacks. Montez Sweat making some big plays, a sack and a half for him, and then Jonathan Allen with a half of a sack. That's a pretty darn good performance from the pass rush. I was very pleased with that. Kyle Allen was running for his life for a majority of the game. They were able to take advantage of some early miscommunications to put up some early points. And then that final, not the final drive, but the second to last drive, they moved the ball pretty easily on the defense. Wasn't a huge fan of that. But at this point, beggars can't be choosers. They still played really, really well. And I guess you could say it's really competition. If we want to do kind of these MVP type things, we don't really get to do Victory podcasts here, so I don't have any like awards that we do on a consistent basis after a victory because we've only won three games and I didn't get to do a pod last week. You know the holidays were here; those uh, all the all the madness that come with the holidays. So I didn't get to do one last week. So we don't really have uh awards, I guess, to give out. But we're I, we're gonna start it. No better time than the present, right? Uh, it's it's a battle for. The defensive MVP award between Nate Orchard, you could put Chris Odom in there, but Fabian Moreau also played really, really well, and he's certainly not the perfect cornerback. I don't know if anyone truly is the perfect cornerback. I mean, maybe Stephon Gilmore in New England, but perfect cornerbacks really don't exist, but this dude is making plays, and at a time where we are basically destined to transition from Josh Norman... I, for one, was arguing that we should have done that this offseason. The writing is not on the wall. The, the, the writing is basically in his hand at this point. He is not going to be with the Redskins next year. So Fabian Moreau has done a really good job stepping up in the absence of Josh Norman, who isn't playing a lot now. He's dressing but still not playing a lot. He is stepping up and he is making plays. So if there was anyone in the Redskins organization that was frightened about making that transition from Josh Norman to Fabian Moreau, their, their, uh, their fear should be eased a little bit. At the very least, because Moreau is making some plays, he had one interception. He probably could have had two. He was just about an inch short. I mean, if he is an inch closer to that football, he makes that catch clean in the end zone, and then this uh, this weird run that Carolina goes on to possibly tie the game doesn't happen. Unfortunately, that ended up not happening. But he still did have the uh, the one interception, the only interception of the day for either squad. So I thought he played really, really well, and because of that, because it was that one turnover. I'm going to give Fabian Moreau the MVP. Just the momentum that it gave the Redskins, it really got this offense going. They were struggling a little bit. It was nice to see the team move the ball in the first few drives, but they weren't able to capitalize. And then the Fabian Moreau interception took place, and all of a sudden this team, this offense, this running attack for the Redskins started to capitalize. They started to build off that momentum. So because of that, I'm going to give Fabian Moreau the defensive MVP for this game. And and I mean, we could sit here and talk about all the great things the defense did for a very, very long time. I just thought it was important to highlight the two guys that weren't on the team last week and Fabian Moreau because of that momentum swing that he gave The Redskins, Uh, but the overall a solid performance by the defense, not a perfect performance by any stretch of the imagination. You can always continue to get better, but I liked what they did. They kept the team in a position to win, and I think that is crucial because it's not too long ago that we had a defense that made it very difficult for a good offense to win. This was not the case today. We had a solid performance that allowed the offense to do what they do best, to run the football, and to ultimately pick up the win. So very pleased with what we got on the defensive side of the football. And now on to the offense, maybe the more exciting Uh, of the group a lot of a lot of points put up in this one 29 points it's been quite some time that the Redskins flirted with 30 points this is our first win streak by the way since last October when the team was you know as Bruce Allen says very very close to being a, a real contender but a good amount of points put up by this offense this was a running day and just based on what Carolina has been for really the past decade on defense, I was a tad surprised. I didn't look at any of the numbers beforehand, so I don't know how, how they fared when it came to rush defense, but just knowing that what Carolina is, who they have personnel-wise, and who their head coach is, you would expect the Carolina Panthers to be a pretty good run-stopping defense while the Redskins ran train all over them. Darius Geis is the truth. So if, you were, if there was any question... Any question about whether he whether or not he is the future of the running back position for this team, consider that question answered. He was given the opportunity. He made the most of his opportunity. He averaged nearly 13 yards a carry. Nearly 13. 10 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns. A damn near perfect performance from Darius Geis. He provided a certain element of explosion and a nice change of pace from what was Adrian Peterson, who had a great game in his own right. He was... One yard short. One yard short of 100 yards for Adrian Peterson. Uh, I I was a little upset. I wanted him to get to 100. I wanted both of those two guys to get to 100 yards on the day. Peterson was a singular yard short. Would he have gotten it if that fumble didn't happen uh, in the third or fourth quarter? He probably would have. So A a little, little upset about that, but still 99 yards on 13 carries for Adrian Peterson and a touchdown you're not going to find too much uh, complaining on my end in that regard. And Chris Thompson also made his return to the field. It was nice to see him. They didn't use him a ton, which is to be expected seeing as he hasn't played in like two months, but it was just nice to see him back out there. He did provide a little bit of a spark, 14 yards on three carries plus a 15 yard reception. So you love to see that. I love the the, the reception in itself. The, the commentary w- was pretty solid. I didn't really have a, uh, I didn't really have a big of a problem with the commentary. Sometimes, Sometimes it is difficult to watch Redskins games with the television on, but I thought the uh, the duo that we had there, Trent Green generally tends to do a good job on color commentary when he calls Redskins games. And I think he was the one that pointed out how Dwayne Haskins basically stuck the one reception that Chris Thomas had between his face mask and his shoulder pads. I did think that was actually kind of funny. Um, but nonetheless, great to see Chris Thompson back. It would it, it, it does kind of bring forth the what-if questions just as to how good that trio would have been had we had an entire season with them, had they all been healthy, but uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna dive down uh, that rabbit hole there because you could you could do some bad bad things if you dive down that rabbit hole. But it was nice to see all three of those guys healthy in action and making plays. And Dwayne Haskins is the guy that we got to focus on here on offense because once again, a, a solid performance. Was he perfect? No. Has he made major steps forward? From this week to last week, I think he has. And that's not even counting. I mean, we can look at some of the other games that he's played this year. Every single game, he is making big strides forward. And I think that's a huge positive. He is certainly nowhere close to where I think he can be. But this was the first game that I felt truly confident with him under center in the shotgun, with him deciding where the ball was going to go. There were a couple passes that were really, really close. Terry McLaurin had the one catch where I don't know how he caught it. I don't know how the, the defender, uh, I don't know if it was Shaq Thompson or who, who it was, but I don't know how the Carolina Panther defender didn't catch it. Maybe it was Trey Boston, but Terry McLaurin able to pull it down. Dwayne didn't turn the ball over. He was patient with the football. And his footwork in the pocket is continuing to get better. It is still very, very cool. And I know I mentioned this on another podcast either last week or the week before that. It is cool to watch him get better in the actual game. For him to kind of recognize things. And you can see the way that he plays that things are starting to slow down for him just a little bit with every single play and that is very promising for the future. You look at the box score, and I think, all right, and 13-25, 147 yards. This dude isn't anything special, and right now, he is not anything special, but he is working to get there. I was very pleased with the performance that Dwayne Haskins had. With that said, you would still like to see certain guys get more targets. They did kind of spread the wealth a little bit uh, in this game, Kelvin Harmon led the team with both receptions and targets. three receptions for 51 yards on five targets. Jeremy Sprinkle had two receptions for 36 yards. He should have had four receptions. Jeremy Sprinkle has a whole lot of promise. I love the uh, kind of the intangibles with him. he's a huge guy. Huge, huge guy. That's a big target for Dwayne Haskins to have a decent blocker, but there are times where he just drops passes, and we have to cut that out. You have to help your quarterback out. Haskins goes 13 of 25. He very easily could have gone 17, 18 of 25 if guys just hold on to the football. I mean, it's really that simple. You have to help your young quarterback out. He goes 18 to 25, and all of a sudden his numbers look a little bit better. He's probably over or at least flirting with 200 yards there, and it's a little bit different story as to how we view him just by the box score. Sprinkle did have at least one drop, that one, the diving drop, where he he needs to catch that. Dwayne Haskins made a great play to avoid pressure on multiple occasions. Inside of the pocket, scrambles out of the pocket, has Sprinkle, and Sprinkle drops it. Stuff like that needs to change, especially if Sprinkle wants to be the number one tight end on this team. And for all intents and purposes, Vernon Davis is getting old. Jordan Reed, I don't know if he's ever really going to play football again. For his benefit, he probably never should play football again. So Sprinkle has the position locked up, you would think, for the future of the tight end position on this team. But you have to catch the football and help your quarterback out. He still did play solid. Two receptions for 36 yards on four targets. Not anything terrible, but That should have been four receptions easy, and it should have helped extend a few drives as well. Steve Sims Jr., three receptions for 29 yards on four targets. I like that they're implementing him a lot more in the pass game. I like that they're doing their best to give him the ball without using that silly little reverse that worked one time. I think this may have been the first game since that Patriots game where they didn't try that reverse, and it made me so happy. We don't need to try it every single play. It's a great change of pace. But after the New England game, we did it every single week, at least once, sometimes twice, and it didn't work. I like that they're getting him more involved in the actual receiving game instead of just having that jet sweep guy. And then Terry McLaurin, a relatively quiet game, two receptions for eight yards. He did have that one uh, possible reception. Would have been a nice little gain. Slip basically right through his hands. Very uncharacteristic from what we've seen from him All season, but we got the win. I'm not going to harp too much on that. We got the win, and that's really all that matters. But of course, as Dwayne starts to get more confident in this offense, I would like to see them pass the ball more. 25 attempts is solid, but at some point in the future, you got to get him comfortable being able to drop back and throw it 30 plus times in a game. So while we are in kind of the garbage time portion of the season, Let's do that. Let's get him comfortable, drop him back much more often, and see what he can do uh, with that. But another solid performance by the offense. I would say the defense maybe gets a bit of a nod. The rushing game today was just fantastic. So you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to say that the rushing offense was the true MVP of the game today. Darius Geis was the real MVP of the game. I mean, two touchdowns, 129 yards for him. He was the real MVP. I would say the rushing offense as a whole, though, is what carried this team to the victory. All right. I tease this a little bit to start, I I think we just have to at least touch on it, right? I mean, we don't get these opportunities very often to touch on postseason talk in December, but hear me out on this, and this is not a joke, by the way. This is 100% reality. The Redskins are still eligible to make the postseason. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. The team has nine losses, but because Dallas is so bad and because Philadelphia is so bad, the Redskins are eligible still. There's hope. For them to make the postseason. Our remaining four games at the Packers. That's going to be a hard one. I mean, we lose that game. It's done. The Packers looked really good today against New York in the snow. That's going to be a hard one. At the Packers. Home against the Eagles and the Giants. And then we finish off at Dallas. I mean, I'm not saying that the Redskins are going to win out here. But it is just fun to fantasize about that, right? I mean, what would this team look like in the postseason? Probably not all that great. But... We can fantasize a little bit, right? I mean, we've seen what Dallas is doing right now. They are a train wreck. And it is so much fun to watch. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I've had so much fun watching a team implode. But when they have a star on the side of their helmet, it gets revved up a couple notches. Because watching that team implode has just been a joy. And same goes for Philly. Like Philly is eating themselves from the inside out. They lost to Miami today. I mean, what do you... What are we doing in this NFC East? Nobody wants to win here. The Redskins are now above the Giants because they lost to the Packers, and they're still eligible December 1st to make the postseason. Dallas' is Final Four at Chicago against the Rams at Philly, and then here at the Redskins. And then uh, or excuse me, they have they have the Redskins in Jerry World. And the Eagles have the Giants, us, Dallas, and then the Giants again. Philly has the easiest of the schedules, but they also, like I said, just lost to Miami. Um, so we can joke about this and say, oh, you know, what if the Redskins do make a 2012 type run where they win out or a 20 uh, or 07 type run where they win the final four games, final five games, whatever it is. It would be fun. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Let me just. I just want to clear that up. I don't think this team is going to make the postseason. It is just funny that in December we are eligible and still very much alive to make it to the postseason. It is funny how this NFL thing works sometimes, and this might be a prime example of that. All right, we we got about. We're about fifteen twenty minutes into this podcast here. We got to touch on this just a little bit. Not going to be too long. Get you out of here. Get you all with the rest of your day here. But there was a report this weekend. That Dan Snyder, our loving owner, our fearless owner here, is evaluating everyone in the organization for the future, including Bruce Allen. Including the guy that has single handedly, maybe not single handedly, but had done a very good job of dragging this franchise into mediocrity. Bruce Allen is being evaluated by Dan Snyder, and I don't really know what that means. Like, I would actually love to know what exactly Dan Snyder evaluating Bruce Allen really looks like. Like, is that just, oh, I'm going to look at this piece of paper. Ah, Bruce, I like you, You're still here type of thing. Or is this going to be some sort of real evaluation? Is he going to get some sort of third-party service in here? Because if he gets some sort of third-party service in here, Bruce Allen is gone. He is gone. So at this point, I'm rooting for that option. Because he is, I, I right now, I would consider Bruce Allen to be, the greater of the two evils. Still don't like Dan Snyder. I would still love for him to sell the team, but we also kind of come got to come to reality here. And the Dan Snyder is probably not going to sell the team anytime in the near future. And for whatever reason, for whatever the reason is, the players really seem to like Dan Snyder. I can't quite wrap my mind around it, other than the fact that he is the guy that signs the checks, and that could play. That could play some sort of influence in why everyone seems to like him. But the players really like Dan Snyder. They also don't like Bruce Allen. Like, at all. No one has ever defended... I mean, has anyone ever defended Bruce Allen here? I can't think of anyone that has come out and said, you know what, I actually think Bruce Allen does a great job running our franchise. Nobody has done that. So if this is a situation here where Dan Snyder is actually doing what is best for the franchise... I'm not saying him doing this would right all of the wrongs that Dan Snyder has brought upon this franchise because that list is very, very long. But it would at least erase a couple. I mean, just pick like four or five pretty big ones. I mean, not we're not talking like Albert Haynes with contract type big ones. But just take four or five mistakes that Dan Snyder's done. If he gets rid of Bruce Allen, we'll just erase a couple of them. Just get them out of here. We'll just forget that those ever happened. Because that would at least steer the franchise in a... Hopefully in, the, in a good direction. Because we know for a fact, for an absolute 100% fact, there are coaches, because we still need a head coach, there are coaches that are not going to come and interview for this job because of the front office situation. We know this for a fact. In fact, it has happened before with Vinny Serrato, which is how we ended up with Jim Zorn. We had tons of candidates lined up for the position, and then they started just dropping. Like Steve Spagnola. He was a guy that was going to come interview for this head coach job. And he was like, actually, you know what? I'm I am good. I don't need that. And if we think that having Bruce Allen here isn't going to force these next generation of head coaches to, to do the exact same thing, you're lying to yourself. You are. There are going to be guys that say, actually, I don't want to deal with Bruce Allen. You could pay me all the money in the world. Don't want to deal with Bruce Allen. And in some respect, there's going to be coaches that just don't want to deal with Dan Snyder in general. And I respect them for that because I wouldn't want to deal with that either. But there are definitely also going to be coaches that think, well, maybe I'm the guy that can write this ship. And I respect them even more if they're good and if they actually have a chance of doing that. We just cannot have another Jim Zorn situation. We can't have two of those in basically the same decade. I know it's a little bit outside of the decade, but you get what I'm saying. It's about 12 years. We can't have two of those situations in 12 years. That's some Cleveland Browns type stuff. And I know we're dysfunctional, but I would prefer to just not be in that category. Maybe we're already in it. I don't know. Maybe this is my optimistic side, saying that we aren't in that Cleveland Browns territory of terribly run organizations. Although I know we are a terribly run organization, But this could be, this is the light. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. Just get rid of Bruce Allen. For the love of everything that is holy, just get rid of Bruce Allen. So let me know your thoughts on all of that. Do you actually think that Dan Snyder could pull the trigger and get rid of Bruce Allen and what you thought of the game? Defensive MVPs, offensive MVPs, Any of that, all of that, whatever it is, let me know on Twitter at Denton underscore day or down below on the comment section on hogshaven.com. Until then, we will wrap this podcast up and I will see you next week, hopefully with another victory podcast, which would be three in a row after we beat the Packers. We can hope. I'll see you then.